Thanks so much for listening to the Clifton Church of Christ sermon podcast. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen, and we hope if ever you're in Clifton, Texas, you'll stop by and say hello. We hope you enjoy this sermon. Good morning, everybody. It's great to get to see all of y'all, and uh, I just have a few things before we start. First, I want to say, as Butch already said, thank you so much for everyone who helped with the luncheon yesterday. Can we give Raymond and those ladies who worked so hard to cook a round of applause? And then also I want to thank all of y'all for um, your awesome support being here on Friday to be here with the Cosper family. I know how much they appreciate that, and I really thank you for coming. I also want to say um, uh, there's, this is not enough. I'm going to do a, another round of applause moment in a second, but first, something that I'm working on that I think is going to work. I've called enough people. It's going to happen, but save your calendars for December 11th. Sunday, December 11th, that evening, we're going to do our best to do some caroling at, we, I've called Sunset, I've called, called Goodall Witcher, I've called Willow Park. We're going to do some, uh, some caroling at the nursing homes and then also hopefully get to go visit some of our members who are maybe more shut in in their homes to get to sing with them. So it's, it's not just a teen event, it's a whole church thing and we'll try and, ideally we have three groups of 100 people, I'm just kidding, well, ideally we have three groups of, of 15 people that we can do, and then afterwards we'll, we'll come back to the church, and, and, and Melissa will make sure we've got some, some cocoa, and hopefully it's, it's chilly and, and worth uh, actually having hot chocolate. So um, the last thing I want to say is, if you would, let's please uh, thank Colton for his awesome job he did on his sermon last week. I... Uh, I wish y'all could have seen how hard he worked on that and how long he had been working on that, and uh, you, could, you could really tell. And one of the things that he did was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, he had, we came in here, and I would stand up here and I'd say, we're going to dismiss for, for uh, Little Seeds and God's Flowers now, and I'd pretend to sing a song, and then I'd sit down, and he would come up with all the lights on and with his slides, and he would practice it. And one of the things, after every practice, we would, I would try to... I try not to have too much comments because I'm. A, I mean, you know, he's not needing. You know, he's not trying to get this special training. You know, he's just trying to trying to preach a good sermon. But one of the things I told him is, I said, I said, Colton, why do you think I care so much about helping you make your sermon clearer, making it where people can hear it and it's clear? Why do you think that's so important? And you know, and he said, you know, he and and one of the things I said was. We don't work on our sermons so that we're good preachers. We work on our sermons clarity because we actually believe that if people actually heard what we said, it would actually change their lives. You with me? The reason why we care about trying not to talk too fast, which I'm very guilty of, the reason we try and make good illustrations and try and say things in a way that resonates is because we actually believe that if you, you let it sink into your heart, for 25 minutes on a Sunday, it might change your life. Not because of what we said, but because of Christ in what we're saying, okay? So today, what's really cool is this is a great passage that I, I didn't even expect as I was studying. I didn't expect this to be a place where I was so excited to preach on this passage. But as I studied it, it really came to one of my, you know, I've said, I've told you before, I have a few like kind of core messages, okay? And I realized as I was preparing for this that this passage kind of touches on and, and interacts with one of my core, core messages that I have. And so I want to start with this Romans message on a very big level. And I want, I want you to think about something for a second. Why do we as Christians, if someone asked you, why do you as a Christian 
do the good Christian things in your life, and why do you avoid the bad worldly things? You know, let's say somebody walked up to Katie and said, Katie, why do, why do you choose to do all those good Christian things, and why do you cho- choose to avoid the bad things? There are, I'm going to make this really general, but there are just a, a couple of answers that most people would probably say if they really knew the answer. The first one is, they would probably say, well, I'm trying really hard not to go to hell and to get my ticket to heaven, and I'm just barely hanging on to that ticket, okay? There's a lot of people that whether they admit it or not, they live their life where every day is a chance to, man, if I'm not careful, I might lose this ticket I've got to get out of here and get to heaven. So I, I do the Christian thing so that I can walk that straight and narrow and make it, okay? Some of you probably, most of you probably grew up where that, that's what church was, keeping that ticket. Now, there's also the other answer someone might say is being a good Christian is kind of another, like this is probably how I grew up, not because I was raised this way, but because this is how I felt. But like, I kind of want to be the Eagle Scout of being a Christian, you know? Like part of why I do the good Christian things and avoid the bad things is I kind of want to, you know, get those merits of like, I want to have extra bonus points in heaven when I get there. You know, I want my mansion to be a little bigger, my robe to be a little nicer, and my crown to be shinier, you know? And I, I, I don't think I ever thought I was earning my salvation, but if you're not careful and you do that too much of your time, you can get to the point where you think, well, you know, I live this life because I'm, I'm building my, my, my resume for when I get to those pearly gates. And Peter's like, yeah, that's true. You really did great in that life, okay? Neither of those things are bad, quote unquote, but they're, they're missing out for sure. And the third thing, though, this is the thing that's a core message to me. In Christ's birth... And his death and his resurrection. By the way, I'm going I'm to try and train all of you that if anyone ever asks you why you live as a Christian, this is what I want you to answer. In Christ's birth and his death and his resurrection, a new kingdom broke into our world and dawned in our world and on earth. And we are called to live our lives building for that kingdom that has already come but is not quite here yet. And so when you ask me why do I care about us feeding a lot of people, well, we're building the kingdom. The kingdom, we're going to feed people. People aren't going to be hungry. Why do I care about mission work that takes care of people's eyes and, and heals people and helps people have better lives? Because we're building for the kingdom. Because the kingdom has started and we're participating in it. And everything I do is because I'm, I'm trying to join in in that, in that project. Now, uh, do I think that if all of us got on the same page and we all worked real hard that we could usher in the kingdom? No. But I think we can participate. So, for example, I told y'all before about freshman Drew with a wad of cash buying a 1964 Mustang, right? I told you that story. That white Mustang couldn't quite run, and it sat in the driveway. And me with my just tiny, tiny little bit of mechanic skills, you know what I did? I remember first weekend, me and my dad, we bought new spark plugs. And, you know, changing the spark plugs on a 1964 car is like, it's as easy as changing the batteries in your remote control. But you know what I thought? I thought I was doing the coolest thing. I'm fixing this car. I would take, I would lift up the corner of the, the Mustang and I would take the tire off and switch it to the other side and take that tire off and switch it to the other side because I just wanted to be working on it, even with my limited ability. This is what I mean when I say building for the kingdom. God's the one who's going to get the engine running. God's the one who's going to really be able to do a lot of the hard lifting. By the way, for some of you, this analogy doesn't work because you can actually work on cars. But for the rest of us, humble peasants who can't work on cars, we're never going to be the one that gets that transmission right, that gets the engine right. God, we still need God to make it happen. But that doesn't mean we don't get to get in there and 
give it you know, a wax job. It doesn't mean we don't get to get in there and change the carpet and get in there and just do everything we can to build for that kingdom. So with this core message in mind, I'm going to try and help you see how, in my opinion, Romans 13, not Revelation 12, but Romans 13 connects to this idea, this really core thing. So if you would, if you're following along, you can follow along on the screen or turn in your Bibles. Let's see how our reading from Romans today contributes to this message. Romans 13, starting in verse 8. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. He's quoting from the Ten Commandments. And whatever other commands there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. So for the past few weeks... We have been building towards, I, I consider this kind of a summarizing section. You know, we've made, had some sermons, and the sermons have basically been, how am I supposed to love and treat my fellow Christians? I told you about that in Romans 12. I think it starts in verse, I'm going to say starting in maybe verse 9 or maybe verse 4. This is what it looks like to love your fellow Christians. And then he starts to talk about what does it look like to love your neighbors in your community who aren't Christians. And then he talks about what does it look like to love and participate as a good citizen involving the state government and authority. And now we get to here. And so in my opinion, in all those things, the questions that Paul is asking is, how do we treat our fellow church member? How do we treat our neighbors who aren't Christians? How do we treat the state? How do we treat them all? And the answer is love. The fulfillment of how you live this life is love. And I want to use a reference from Jeremiah that I believe uh, one of the People that I was reading for this week, he made a great connection. His name's Tim Keller. He made a great connection to part of what he thinks Paul is getting at here is he's making a connection that we see in the book of Jeremiah. So in Jeremiah, the Israelites were basically taken from, by Babylon, taken from Israel and taken to exile in Babylon. And they are excluding themselves from the Babylonians. They are living on their own and not participating at all. And Jeremiah tells them not to become absorbed by the city. Don't become Babylonians. Not to close their eyes. Don't, don't close your eyes to all the wickedness you see around you. Don't lose your identity among these Babylonians. But he does say in, in Jeremiah 29, he says he wants Israel to become involved in the city to seek its peace and prosperity. So if you're a note taker, part of what Paul is doing here in Romans 13 is Paul is saying, like, I'm wanting you to love your church family. I'm wanting you to get involved in your community and show them what it looks like to be loving in your community. Because in doing that, you are going to be building for the kingdom as a Christian in your community. So let's read from Jeremiah. Wait. Mm, yeah, let me make sure I'm in the right spot. Let's read from Jeremiah 29, 4 through 7 to really bring this point home. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. He's not saying, hey, just wait a little bit because I'm about to bring you back to Jerusalem. He says, build houses, get cozy, plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in, the number, in number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. 
This whole theme in Romans of Paul, how do we interact with our, where we are and our neighbors and our city, I, I just think this Jeremiah reference is so good at saying, don't compromise to the city's values. Romans 12, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed. We see this. Don't compromise to the city's values, but be gloriously positive with the city and invest in it to seek peace for the city, to pursue its overall harmony and prosperity. So Jeremiah is telling the believers there what we see in Romans 12, where he says, I want you to overcome the evil you see in your city with good by bringing your love and your faith to bear in this public split public space. This is the same message that we see in Romans 13. I want you to build the kingdom in your communities, in your neighborhoods, so that when your people see you Christians, they don't see the people that are causing all this trouble for the government. They don't see these people that are, well, those people are kind of rude to everybody. What they see is these ambassadors of love that are deeply interested in blessing their community. And Paul is calling us not just in this passage, where I'm going to have to go back because I messed up the slides, in this passage, in verse 8, he's, he's saying, I don't want you just simply to participate in the state and just be good citizens, but I want you to part participate in your communities and in such a way that you are being a blessing to them. And by the way, I just want to say, I think this church does an incredible job of doing that. One thing I'm really proud of getting to be a part of this church is the number of people whose eyes and ears are attuned to how can we be even more of a blessing in what we're doing here. There's a, there's a couple, I'm not going to say who they are, that live in this town that I often interact with. And I often think, man, they're just so busy. They're doing so many things, they probably need to tone it down. But you know why I think they're so busy? Is I just think they're so interested in injecting God in as many different places they can in the town. In, in the athletics booster club, in, in the different events that their kids go to. And they're just so interested in, I just want to bring God into this community as much as I can. We are to become people who bring blessing and inject goodness into our schools, our neighborhoods, and our cities. So, a question I want to ask you before we read the next of it, the next part. Often, a, a thing that I think about whenever I think about what it means to be the body of Christ in a community is to ask this question. If our church community were to disappear this afternoon, if, if this body were to disappear, would Clifton be less? Would Clifton be in a worse place? Or would people not really notice? Now, thankfully, I actually think our community would notice. They'd be like, man, where's that really awesome breakfast that us teachers get at the start of every school year? Where'd that go? You know, where, where, did, where did these people go? Where did this, how am I going to play uh, Bunko? Or what, what do you all play over there, uh, Linda? What's the, what, how, are we, how am I going to play bridge? You know, I know I'm joking a little bit, but really I do think that's a question we need to ask because for Paul, part of being a transformed Christian is to say, we are going to be a blessing in our community. And thankfully, I believe our church... I think, does a pretty good job of that. Not, not because of anything I do, but because of the, the culture that y'all have set up. So, let's read the rest of this Romans passage. Romans 13, 11 through 14. And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently, as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves... Wait, isn't it interesting that he associates 
dissension and jealousy in the same category as those other things. It's like, yeah, that's bad, that's bad. Oh, well, jealousy and dissension, that's something that even I can be guilty of doing every once in a while. But it's all in the same category. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Okay, so this next main point is something I hope all of you have heard at some point in your life. I've got to skip over my slides. Wrong. How many of you have heard somebody say to you, we're burning daylight? You've heard that phrase before, right? Okay, how many of you have people in your family that like when you were a teenager... But see, I, I can't even... This church, I feel like y'all ought to know this better than anybody. Y'all grew up with dads who were farmers. You grew up with, like, where you had to work. And it was, hey, listen, the sun's coming up. We better be out there. We better be out there before the sun's coming up. Now, I grew up, you know, lame city kid, where I'd sleep in till, you know, I'd sleep in till like 10 a.m. And of course, like, they're like, You're, you were still in bed? You know, how many of you parents have done that to your kid when they slept in till noon or 2 p.m.? You're like, you've been sleeping this whole time? You're missing out on the day. You're missing out on what's going on. This is what Paul is saying to the church here in Rome. Paul is saying, guess what, folks? The sun is up on God's kingdom. The new kingdom has dawned, and it's time to get up and start living like that. The present world is going on. And most people are ordering their lives in accordance with this present age that Paul, that's a, a phrase Paul likes to call it, with its style and its habits. But the new world, the one that is to come, the new kingdom, has already broken in. God's new age has begun and will shortly come to fulfillment. He uses the phrase, the hour has come and it's, it's on its way. It will shortly come to its fulfillment. Those who follow Jesus, whose life, death, and resurrection inaugurated this new age, are commanded to live already in our current lives according to the rules of this new world. The day has begun even though most people are still asleep. So when he lists out all these things that we just read, when he says, take off your clothes that you wear at night and put on the armor of light, he's saying, all these things that people do, these are things that you do in nighttime. This is the nighttime stuff. And it's time to change and put on your daytime clothes. Put on your armor of light. And he lists out all the things that he doesn't want you to do. But you should be thinking in your mind that that means the opposite. All the living for the daytime means living with love, with joy, with peace, with patience, with kindness, with forgiveness, with all those things. You need to put on those clothes. And so Paul, he doesn't just tell people what to avoid. But he also shows them how to avoid it. The way that we avoid doing these things is by what he would say is clothe yourselves with Christ. Okay? Put on Christ. Now let me, let me make an illustration for you. If tomorrow morning, like let's say your spouse set out your clothes for you. That doesn't happen, by the way. But let's imagine that they did. If you woke up and your spouse had set out a tux or a, a ballroom dress for you, you're immediately like, hey, where are we going? You know, you're like, all right, what's this going to be about? I'm going to, I got to get all zhuzzed up, you know, I got to get ready. Because the clothes you wear says something about like, okay, this is what we're going to go do. Now, let me use another analogy. How many of you are like me and the second you get home from work or, or let's say you're wearing like a little bit nicer clothes. This is even not that nice. But the second you get home, you're just like, I cannot wait to get into shorts and a t-shirt. Come on now. Uh, I need, yeah. Catherine, I think I can say this. Catherine and her sister love to joke about, like, she'll be FaceTiming with her sister, and she'll be like, oh, Drew's home. And I, like, walk through the door, and I've already got my shirt off. She's like, you've been in the house for, like, two seconds. How are you already starting to get changed? Like, I just got to get these, like, you know, 
fancy clothes off and start to relax, you know what I mean? Now, there's a book that I really like called Atomic Habits that it says for people who are trying to create the habit of working out at their job, the number one thing that people who can create a habit of going to work out is as soon as you get home from work, you put on your workout clothes. Because if you can do that, if you can in your brain not go, well, I'm home, I'm going to put on my relaxed clothes, and later I'll go work out. It just won't happen. Once you get those relaxed clothes on, you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to relax. But if you were to come home and put on your workout shirt, put on your, your running shoes, you, you have a shot because you're, you're immediately like, all right, it's time to get into this mode. This is the illustration that Paul is using here. He's saying, you used to live according to this old life. Romans 6, you died to that old life. You died with Christ, and now you've been born into this new life. And so you need to go ahead and start putting on your Jesus clothes. You need to wake up every morning, and instead of living by that old time, the day has dawned, the sun has come up, it's time to get dressed, we're burning daylight, put on Christ. Wear Him everywhere you go. And if you're wearing a tux, you're going to act a certain way. If you're wearing your pajamas, you're going to act a certain way. If you're wearing Christ in your communities, you're going to act a certain way. Christian clothing consists not of all this complicated things for Paul. Your clothing is Christ himself. Think back to Romans 12 too. Do not conform, but be transformed to this new world by the renewing of your mind. The point was, for Paul, this urgency he has of the hour has come. Wake up from your slumber. Let's get going. It was less about... Less about, well, it, it's going to come in a week. And it was more about have the attitude that at any time you are already living and acting in, in the way it's going to be for the rest of eternity. I know we're still in this time where the kingdom's already come, but it's not yet come. But go ahead and just start living the way it's going to be for eternity, the way, the way it will be forever. The sun was already rising, and it's time to get up. It didn't matter precisely how many hours were left before the whole world is going to be eventually flooded with that light. So going back to my opening illustration, this is what I'll close with. Why do I think it's important for you to hear this message today? Because I actually believe it can change your life. Because if the reason why you're living is because and the why you're doing all your Christian things is, is to avoid hell, you're going to do some things, but it's all going to be just out of that motivation. If the reason why you're living is so that you can be the Eagle Scout of Christians, it's going to impact how you live. But if the reason why you're living is because you believe the day has dawned and the kingdom is breaking through right now, and you want to go ahead and start acting and putting on Christ in your life and living that way, building the kingdom in our community, it's going to explode what we do as a church community. It's going to be way less about, we're a pretty good church community. We have 99% attendance on Sunday mornings. It's going to be way more, we have a pretty good church community. You would not believe what we do in Clifton, in Bosque County. You following me? Okay. This is the difference. If our why is in view of Christ's mercy, in view of what Christ has done for me and his faithfulness to give his life on the cross so that I can be made right with God, in view of that, I'm going to offer my life as a living sacrifice so that everything I say and do in the community is not conforming to that old world, the clothes of darkness. I'm not going to be putting on my darkness clothes anymore, my nighttime clothes. I'm going to put on my day clothes. I'm going to love my church. I'm going to love my neighbors and community who don't know God. I'm going to be a good, a good American citizen and try my best to infiltrate and transform the citizen with the selfless, the, 
our country, our state, our community with the selfless love of Christ. I'm going to love my communities and invest in them because the sun is rising on this new kingdom. And so let's go ahead and let's get dressed for this kingdom. Let's get to work because, as they say, we're burning daylight. All right? So if any of you would like to know more about what it means to clothe yourselves with Christ, we like to call it baptism, where you die to your old life and you put on the new life and you, ri you rise with Him. And when you rise with Him in this life, we rise with Him in eternity. If you'd like to know more about that, so many of us would love to talk to you either now or later in the week. Or if you have any prayer requests, elders are going to be standing at the doors while we stand and sing this song.